Welcome to So Tell Me More, a podcast where you can join Prabnur and Navia, two psychotherapy students, as they dive into various topics through a psychotherapy lens. This podcast will get you thinking and reflecting on all things mental health, ranging from self-care to learning more about what exactly cognitive behavior therapy is. We hope you stick around. So just before we start today's episode, we wanted to share a trigger warning. In this episode, we will be discussing topics such as COVID-19, health anxiety, substance abuse, domestic violence, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, and suicide. These topics can be disturbing and triggering for some people. So if any of you feel uncomfortable hearing about any of these topics, you may choose to skip this episode. We will also be sharing some resources at the end, so please feel free to check those out. All right, so a little bit of an overview for today's episode. Our episode is about COVID-19 and mental health. And so we wanted to first give a very brief overview of some statistics about how mental health has been impacted since the pandemic has started. So the pandemic has caused a 16% drop in Canada's mental health. And mental health in general encompasses a measure of change reflecting anxiety, depression, work productivity, optimism, isolation, financial risk, and psychological health. So a lot of different factors are included in this mental health rating. And this is according to Morneau Chappelle's Mental Health Index. And this is based on data collected in March. And so as we can see, and I'm sure many of you have experienced this too, the pandemic has had a huge impact on our life. And so we specifically want to focus on the mental health aspect. And we'll be looking at a lot of the different, I guess, diagnoses that Prabhnur mentioned in the trigger warning. Mm-hmm. And especially when I think of COVID-19, it's been a lot of in and out of lockdowns. I know Ontario mm-hmm. is slowly starting to open things up now. So there's been a big effect of quarantine or being locked in your own home due to lockdown. And it's definitely had a negative effect on various individuals. People have stated that they've been suffering from irritability, anger, insomnia, and definitely anxiety and depression being higher on that list. Mm-hmm. And CAMH has identified a couple of key themes of how the pandemic has impacted mental health. And we thought that these are really helpful ways to look at the overall impact. So the first theme is loss, grief and healing, which makes a lot of sense, given that, you know, the death toll of COVID-19 has been so high with lots of people going through a lot of physical changes because of the pandemic. The second is more mental health related, and that's stress and anxiety. And so with the anxiety aspect, we know that a lot of people have been dealing with uncertain circumstances regarding work, their lifestyle, family, health, a lot of different aspects of anxiety have been impacted. And then there's also stigma and prejudice. And I think our guest speaker will be discussing a little bit more about that. And then lastly, quarantine and isolation, like Prabhnur mentioned, being isolated from other people, being isolated from close friends and family can have a really big impact on our mental health. And we'll sort of dive into that a little bit further in this episode. So we're just going to be jumping into a few different topics now, but we'll talk about how all of these areas have been affected and overall there has been increases in all of these areas. The first thing we want to talk about is health anxiety. So health anxiety is essentially a trait that occurs in a continuum from low to high. Extremely high or extremely low levels of health anxiety can definitely have a negative impact on an individual and that can lead to various maladaptive behaviors. So things like the ongoing pandemic, individuals can 
have this unrealistic optimism associated with it so to the point where they think that oh if i do get infected i will be completely fine it's okay or on the other end of things where you might be needing in-person things that have to happen whether it's medical appointments or other in-person needs that you feel that you need to have to relieve yourself from some of those health anxiety symptoms so that's definitely been an increased area where we have seen people reporting that that's been something that's negatively impacted them. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. I think even at the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of fear around health and the medical side of things and, you know, the anxiety that's associated with it, it can be Mm -hmm. extremely debilitating and it can really impact a person's functioning. Another area that we have noticed increases in is substance abuse. And I'll just share a quick stat with you. Between 20 and 25% of Canadians in their youth as well as older adults have increased the amount of alcohol they drink. And this is directly related to distancing measures. At least that's what the study has found. And also the sale of cannabis has also increased. So we've seen increases in non-prescribed fentanyl heroin as well and all of these are suggesting also some very dangerous circumstances of drug combinations and so when we see a lot of these areas increasing or a lot of these different substances increasing there are a lot of adverse effects that this can have on people's livelihood and and their physical health as well. Yeah, I know that there's a lot of people that have shared because they are often isolated or they are Mm -hmm. within their homes alone. They do try to resort to various coping mechanisms and drinking has been something that many people have been resorting to and it's definitely having a negative impact. So something to be thoughtful of. Another area that we have seen an increase is within domestic violence, particularly women, children, older adults, and other vulnerable household members have reported an increased risk of experiencing or witnessing domestic violence. And they may also find it more challenging to actually seek support or ask for help from others. Mm-hmm. And I think another very important area has been eating disorder rates. A lot of these cases primarily involve restrictive eating, including anorexia nervosa and avoidant or restrictive food intake disorder, which is similar to anorexia. And so both of these have been highly linked to the pandemic. I Maybe you've heard in, in pop culture media or just on social media, this fear of like pandemic 15, which is the idea of gaining weight during the pandemic. And I think a lot of it has to do with changing schedules, changing lifestyles. People were used to certain cues for eating or certain timings for eating and now maybe they're working from home or they no longer have the social aspect of eating as a group or different cues that were associated with eating for them. And so it's really changed people's relationship with food. A lot of the studies have found that anxiety and isolation are typically very significant components of eating disorders, and both of them have been heightened during the pandemic. So it's extremely important to keep an eye out for certain types of eating behaviors and how those have changed and how they're impacting you. And eating disorders are so important because eating disorders actually have the second highest mortality rate for mental health concerns following opioid addiction and so you know there's a lot of impacts that a lot of these areas are having and eating disorders is definitely one of them Mm -hmm. and another area that people have been reporting is around anxiety depression and suicide and associated symptoms within depression and anxiety there is great levels of uncertainty low motivation and low mood and it almost seems reasonable with 
the situation that we're in currently but overall there has been a greater reporting everyone is sharing how they're being affected differently we've seen multiple cases even within our practicum and the various groups that we've had the fortune to be a part of but many themes that have come up are associated to isolation a lack of employment and job insecurity and not knowing what's going to happen, losing your job or trying to find work, and also the idea of uncertainty, which has been a big player currently. Mm -hmm. I think something I've noticed in a lot of my groups is this lack of motivation for sure. Mm -hmm. With things changing so quickly, there's sort of this mentality of, well, what's really the point? Or why should I be doing my CBT homework? Or why should I be attending therapy? And it's difficult because, you know, it has been very uncertain. Nobody really knows exactly what the next day will look like or, or what they can expect. And so that's really had a huge toll. And I've seen, I've noticed the toll on various age groups as well, which I think is pretty interesting. Interesting. It has impacted a wide range of groups, ranging from the youth to older adults. Yeah, and I think this is perfect. We can introduce our guest speaker, and I think she'll help us talk more about this especially. But we're very lucky to have Bipin Deep Abbott join us today on this show or this episode. So Bipin Deep Abbott is a third-year medical student at McMaster University in Ontario. She has a passion for community health education and also connecting community members with resources and we're hoping that we can pick her brain a little bit and ask her her perspective and what she's experienced on the medical side of how COVID has been impacting her and hospitals and overall how things have been going but just as we begin I want to say thank you so much for joining us today Pip and Dave how are you? I'm doing great thank you so much for having me I'm very very excited I've loved your episode so far so I'm very excited to be a part of this one. Thank you. We're we're very lucky to have you as our first guest speaker and we're excited to get into the second part of our episode. So we'll start off with just a, a general question for you, Bipin. How do you think the pandemic has impacted mental health in your experience as a medical student? Yeah, I think what you guys have mentioned just before is covers a lot of what I've noticed in hospitals and clinic settings. I think we always say in the medical field that the COVID-19 pandemic is almost a two-pronged pandemic. The first pandemic Mm -hmm. is the infectious disease, the actual COVID-19 pandemic. And the second is the mental health pandemic that went along with it. Uh, We've seen, like you've mentioned, all the statistics, such a rise in a lot of mental health concerns, unfortunately, for patients of various ages, different groups. And it's it's really, really sad to see because as you guys have mentioned, um, it's hard for patients to access resources right now. Absolutely. I think that's a great point about the resources. I think there was starting to get a little bit of momentum about opening up conversations about mental health resources and, and struggles that people are going through. And then I feel like the pandemic and with the isolation has sort of brought people back into, okay, like I'm in my own head and I'm kind of going through this alone. And now we're starting to try to get people back out there and, and get them to open up about these conversations again. And then hopefully this kind of episode and having conversations like we are today amongst multiple professionals or or students can be a great way to to get people talking about these kinds of struggles. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing uh, that I kind of wanted to mention is with the COVID-19 pandemic, I think like a lot of other health problems, it's affected people disproportionately. So there are certain populations Mm -hmm. that have been affected more than others, other populations, unfortunately. And so there's so many health disparities that go along even with the mental health 
effects of COVID. Uh, so specifically, I think you mentioned some of these groups just before I came on. Um, there are certain groups that have faced a lot of challenges that I've noticed anecdotally from just my rotations around the hospital and different clinic environments. I think one of them is the senior population. Um, with, uh, you know, unfortunately, the senior population, even before the pandemic, had a lot of concerns with isolation uh, and not being able to, you know, see their family members in long-term care homes. But I think with the pandemic, when the long-term care home shut down, that was a huge, huge concern uh, for both family members, caregivers, and the seniors living uh, in these nursing homes, long-term care homes. And that isolation significantly increased depression, anxiety in, in a lot of uh, older individuals. The other population um, I think you guys mentioned already is individuals with pre-existing mental health problems and substance use problems. I saw many, many cases of individuals who would usually have access to certain resources like harm reduction resources that mm -hmm. would come to the emergency room because they couldn't go to their harm reduction site for whatever reason. So, it, you know, it definitely it's unfortunate that um, there are certain populations that have been hit really, really hard uh, when compared to other populations. Yeah, with the older adults, I know that there are various organizations or initiatives that many students have started to try to combat some of that isolation. I know that there was a big push for in the beginning of last year. For example, I'm a part of a phoning program where you call in an older adult in a long-term care home where you're phoning in on a weekly basis and checking in on how things are going. And I know that that person has just been so thankful and appreciative of having another voice to talk to. And this is something that's definitely also come up in some of the groups I've been part of in our practicum where mm -hmm. individuals have shared that they haven't seen their family members or parents for long periods of times just because no one's allowed to go in or there is this big health risk associated with it and people just aren't ready to take that risk and they don't feel comfortable and it's sad to see that you know many individuals are unable to connect with other people or even their family members just to say hello I had someone that I know who hadn't seen their granddaughters in almost a year just because of the restrictions that were up and they were seeing how they were just really excited to look forward to leaving the institution itself they hadn't really gone out because they would go on walks or around the garden but that also had been so restricted because of outbreaks and other things that were coming up so it's definitely impacting everyone in that area absolutely and I think there's so many things we or I mean I can speak for myself that I took for granted before the pandemic small things like you know taking a walk in a in a different neighborhood or like a couple cities away seeing friends outside and I think a lot of people are bringing those kinds of things up like it was so easy for me to just go to a grocery store before but now there's a couple of steps involved right and having to leave the house and hoping that you know praying that you're safe and that everyone around you is staying safe as well just a lot going on in people's minds a lot to prepare for as well as they're entering back restrictions are easing as well there's a lot a lot going on for sure and I think it's so important that we support all populations but especially these ones that um, Bipin you mentioned are being disproportionately affected mental uh, health wise and also physically as well and, and by the pandemic overall yeah and I think it's interesting because we talked a lot about older adults, but uh, another thing I noticed is on the other end of the spectrum, uh, kids and youth. That's another yeah. huge concern. I mean, social activity is such an important part of even development, right? There's certain developmental milestones you need to meet as, you know, a three-month-old, a six-month-old. And a lot of them are social milestones that, you know, you need to achieve by 
talking to your friends and uh, building relationships outside of just your relationship with your parents. And so I personally, in a lot of my rotations, have seen the huge effect it has on children. And through affecting the children, it has a huge effect on their parents and siblings. So, for example, I think one case uh, jumps out at me in particular where um, we ha- I was uh, involved in the care of a, of a family with four children. And the th- two out of the four children had ADHD and one had autism spectrum disorder, ASD. And I don't know uh, how much uh, the folks listening know about kind of these disorders, but a lot of the similarity between the two is that both individuals with these disorders need more structure in their life. Uh, That's a really important thing that helps them kind of not get overwhelmed is is the same kind of structure, Mm -hmm. uh, being able to go to school and, you know, come back at 3 p.m. every day, that kind of stuff. And uh, because there was no structure, uh, the the children with ADHD were having a really, really hard time focusing in school. And uh, I know online school was kind of made to prevent the spread of COVID-19 infection, which is really important. But but these students could not attend school. So they were not attending online school because they couldn't focus. Um, And then, you know, and that makes it so hard on the family, too, because uh, they had four kids who were going away and so the parents could go to work and that was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now you have four kids in a small house, you know, they don't have a, a huge family income and it's significantly challenging for them to get their day-to-day tasks done. So I've definitely seen a huge increase in that and we've had to, for example, increase so many people's medications. So many people's ADHD medications were increased during the pandemic. And that's always scary for people and and it's scary for parents too, right? Because um, they don't want to be increasing the medications that the, the kids are on. But yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of change and certainty, especially even with the schools. We still don't know how things are going to be and how that's going to be affected. So I think the idea around having a fixed schedule, which we often did before the pandemic, mm-hmm. is definitely something that is not something that we have the luxury of having right now. And it's definitely impacted everyone differently. And I think that it, hopefully with the things starting to ease up now and things starting to look a little bit better, there can be a, a little bit of hope at, and a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. But are there any other cases, Pippin, that you find or any other themes that you've found even within the side of the professionals working at the hospital? So we, I know we talked a lot about the people coming in, but individuals like yourself and other staff and residents, how have they been impacted? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's the population that I was going to talk about next. Um, the healthcare and the front frontline workers I think as much as we like to help the population out there, I think they've themselves have it's taken quite the toll on them. I mean, and a lot of them we're familiar with, right? We I'm sure a lot of us saw the news stories early on in the pandemic, especially in areas like New York, where you would see, you know, doctors going into rooms with garbage bags because they didn't have like the PPE that they needed to stay protected. And just the amount of patients that were dying that takes a toll on you. That takes a toll on anyone. Of course. Um, and, and that stuff is, is kind of, you know, obvious to, to the public. That stuff is shown in, in TV. And uh, we know how hard it's been on our doctors, nurses, police officers, all the frontline workers, paramedics. But I think there's a lot of subtle things that people don't think of that have been huge challenges for, for these frontline workers. So, for example, 
there's been a lot more burnout because people are needing to attend more shifts, for instance, because if there's an uh, an individual healthcare worker with a healthcare problem or a health problem, they don't want to necessarily go to work. Um, and so they have to take some time off. And so there's other people that have to cover those shifts. So there's definitely been an increase in burnout. There's been a lot of stress on uh, healthcare workers becoming ill. I know for medical students and residents, there's the stress of catching COVID-19 and then having to sit out of a rotation and miss a part of your education because of that. And then obviously just the health effects that go along with with having the illness. And then the other thing that it was actually quite shocking that I didn't even think of was just the stress of taking that illness back home to your family members. Mm -hmm. So I'd heard at the beginning of the pandemic when I was still doing my schooling online because I hadn't started my rotations yet, I'd heard a lot of lectures from other doctors and residents who'd said that, you know, because they didn't feel adequately protected in the hospital, they'd come back home and they would sleep in the garage because they didn't feel comfortable uh, coming and, and sleeping in their bedroom and exposing their family to that. You know, doctors who had newborn babies who didn't actually meet their babies because they were too afraid of, of transmitting that virus to them. So, you know, that type of subtle stuff isn't shown in the media where, you know, there's a lot of things going through your mind when you're when you're in a situation like this, which is really unfortunate. But I think that stuff is definitely starting to get better with the decreasing numbers. So that's really good. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing up some of those subtleties because definitely I think it's something you notice, you experience when you're in the field, when you're working, doing rotations um, regularly. But a lot of people who aren't exposed to that side of things, right, the medical side of things may not even realize. And I guess as psychotherapy students, I'm thinking at least that how do we deal with sort of the after effects of all of this stress, the burnout, the emotional elements of it? in the future, right? Like right now, absolutely. I'm glad to hear that things are getting better, but what are sort of some of these long-term implications? How can we support our healthcare professionals, our frontline workers in the long-term? Yeah, and Bipin, I was wondering if there are any individuals that have shared personal stories or shared glimpses of their life and how they have actually been personally impacted. Yeah, I think uh, there's been so many. It's honestly so hard to choose. The first story that jumps out at me uh, was a patient that I saw while working in an emergency department uh, one day, and she'd had a problem with substance use in the past, and she'd actually managed to come off the substances and stayed sober for a bit. And then the kind of pandemic started, and a lot of her triggers to using the substances were at home. You know, there were a lot of financial problems at home. There were a lot of family problems at home. So the way she coped with that prior to the pandemic was going to school and going out with her friends and staying over at a friend's house once in a while. With the pandemic, that obviously was not accessible to her anymore. And with that, she started using substances again. But anyways, the reason she came to the ER was, you know, she looked at me and she said, hey, I have no idea where else to go. My family doctor's closed. They're not taking people in person. I don't have access to a phone. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know if, you know, the harm reductions clinic I used to go to is open because I can't just pull up my phone and Google whether it's open because I don't have access to that. And and that's really one of the moments when I realized, wow, like, you know, there's people out there that can't even access the resources that we often talk about. So I think that was really crucial moment for me when I realized just how differently this pandemic is affecting different people. 
Yeah, it's a very eye-opening story for sure. I think until someone shares that kind of experience with you, it's really hard to understand. But it, it sounds like, you know, you're noticing that there is this gap and people are being affected very differently. And that's something that maybe we can think about how can we improve things in general in society and based on a lot of our, our you know, healthcare structure, different organizations. And it definitely seems like that's something the pandemic has has taught us. While it might be a little late to, to learn about a lot of these things, I think now hopefully is the chance to start to change things and really work on it in the future. Yeah, are there any other um, takeaways that you can think of, Bipin, that you've noticed in this pandemic and things that we can really take away as lessons for the future? Yeah, I think the first one is just what you mentioned, just the importance of being proactive rather than reactive. Mm -hmm. I think, unfortunately, we live in a in a society where sometimes we're a little bit too reactive and uh, not as much prepared as, as we should have been, for example, for this pandemic. So for instance, and I think we have a lot of those channels set up in place now, but I think, you know, if you remember back to the pandemic, to the beginning of the pandemic, when we didn't have those online resources set up, right? You didn't even have ways to access your family doctor because we didn't have the systems set up for confidential Zoom videos, for example, right? That was a huge thing in the beginning of the pandemic where, sure, you can do virtual virtual appointments, but it's not that easy, right? There's a whole confidentiality part of it that needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to actually go through a secure web-based format and you can't just Zoom your doctor casually and, and have an appointment with them. So I think a lot of these fit into place now and it's great that now we have something in place moving forward. Hopefully we never have another pandemic again, but it's so I think that was that was the first thing. And then the second thing that I think just even relating back to my stories is we need to have better communication channels and better communication strategies to our patients. We can't rely on things like and although they're really important, things like social media and, and TV, we need to recognize that not everyone has access to those. Um, and so we need to find ways to to communicate and reach all populations. And obviously social media is great for our youth population, and, but I think there's we need to think beyond just, just news and, and, and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing those, Bipin. Maybe now we can talk a little bit about coping strategies or, or suggestions for people who are seeking support for mental health. We can maybe start on a personal note. Is there anything that either Prabnor or, or yourself have been doing during this pandemic to cope? Yeah, I can start us off. I've been taking a lot of walks. I didn't realize I liked walks, but I actually really like walks now. So I know that in the beginning, I would just stay at home all day. I'd move from my room to my living room to the basement back to my room. But I noticed that it felt very suffocating and I needed to get out. So when I could, I would take myself and my dog and we'd go on a walk and I convinced my brother to join sometimes. But that's been very helpful, just taking time to myself and doing something beyond my house where it was appropriate to do so has been very helpful. Yeah, that's great. I've also been reconnecting with nature. I know a lot of people have <laughs> been doing that, starting to really appreciate what we have around us nearby. Um I think it's it's definitely a great break from online school as well. We've talked about a lot of the struggles mm-hmm. with online school. I think that's something we can probably do multiple episodes on in the future. But absolutely, it's such a nice way to just get away from the, the technology and the gadgets and just take a little bit of a break for yourself, that you time. Oh, yeah. 
also cooking. cooking. That's something that I discovered <laughs> that I really like cooking and baking. Yeah. Not as much anymore. I can say summer 2020 was a big baking summer for me. Mm-hmm. Not as much now. Yeah, it's great for your family too, I imagine. <laughs> they must have oh, enjoyed yeah, it. They loved it. <laughs> I didn't I didn't get on that bread trend though. I that's something I miss, but I did make a lot of cakes. I saw the focaccio bread trend. Is that the one you're talking the about? Where they made really cool. I feel design. like in the, the beginning, sourdough. Oh, sourdough was last Sourdough summer. was the yeah. big one. Yeah, I think everyone was um <laughs> getting on the sourdough. I think for me yeah. it wasn't um it wasn't so much as a like a material kind of this is what I did. I think what Mm -hmm. I learned through this pandemic is just how to be more easy on myself. I think I forgave Mm -hmm. myself in in a lot of situations that I wouldn't have before the pandemic. So, for example, if I had a particularly unproductive day, I was like, you know what? It's okay. It's a hard time. It's okay that I need to take some time off. And I think that's that's been my best coping strategy, although it's not a specific thing that Mm -hmm. I did. I think just being more forgiving to yourself and just... just accepting of the fact that you know you're probably never going to go through a time like this and this is probably the one of the hardest things we're going to go through as a as a community as as the world and just forgiving yourself and just you know just taking it day by day I think was the biggest thing for me honestly yeah I think that's a really that's a really big one that you touch on Vivian just because so many things were so up in the air and there th- things were changing and new information was coming out we were so unsure about what was happening at every moment so not knowing what you're going to do or just being kinder to yourself and understanding that like you said this is hard for everyone and mm-hmm. how can I just help myself feel a little bit better is something that we all should strive for I know that I sometimes struggle with it a lot but it's definitely something that it can be really helpful and supportive when we understand that really it's not in our control right now yeah I think that's been helpful for me too both through our placement and with the pandemic um, setting boundaries for myself knowing when I'm pushing myself too hard and mm-hmm. and giving myself the time and space to sort of you know, recuperate. I think that's a that's a huge thing for me. It was always like go go go, get everything done the way I've planned to get things done, and always be on the go. I've really gotten a chance to slow down, unwind, and I think also like I'm staying with my my family. There's six of us in the house. Sometimes you need boundaries between each other as well. So, you know, like you're like I just need a break to not be interacting with with my family members. I need a break from my phone, for example. I need a break from Zoom calls and just acknowledging when you're feeling that way and then acting on it in some way that's that's helpful for you has been the biggest thing for me and and being compassionate with yourself I think Bipin mentioned that Prabner I think the underlying message in yours is very similar just taking that time for yourself being kind to yourself and then as well as those around you it really I don't know I think it improves your interactions as a person overall just being kind and starting with yourself Okay, so are there any other strategies or anything else you wanted to comment on, uh, Bipin, in terms of ways that people can seek support or things that have changed in terms of seeking support during the pandemic? Yeah, I think a lot of the coping strategies we talked about were great, right? Taking walks, taking care Mm -hmm. of ourselves, etc. But I think it's also important to acknowledge that because of the pandemic, unfortunately, a lot of people have lost access to their coping mechanisms. So, for example, you know, the gyms have closed. And for a lot of people, their coping mechanism was going to the gym or working out, going to the swimming pool. Community pools have closed and not everyone has access to pools personally. 
And so, you know, a lot of another coping mechanism that I can think of is just access to healthcare providers and, and resources like mental health services. And those have been really hard to access for people, right? Like I mentioned, not everyone has a phone or a, a laptop to be able to Zoom with their with their you know therapist. Mm-hmm. And so, with that being said, I think it's important to acknowledge that you know although there's ways to to cope, it's okay to recognize that even coping has become so challenging in the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, and just not be afraid to to reach out to whatever resources that you can get access to. Um, you know, if it's your family doctor that you need to go in person to see, that's okay. If it's the ER and you have no other way of, of getting into the healthcare system, that's okay. I know we always say, you know, go to the ER if you have an emergency. Well, a mental health emergency is an emergency, right? Like any other physical uh, health emergency. So I think that's just another thing I wanted to highlight for people to not be afraid to reach out to whatever resources they can access because we understand that right now it's not easy getting access to a lot of the resources. Absolutely. Things have changed in so many different areas and I think you've definitely brought to light a lot of these these ideas that I hadn't even necessarily thought about all that much, right? In terms of, well, we talk about coping, we, we talk about it a lot in our in our field especially, but how has that changed, right? And it, it really has changed for a lot of people. Things that we were able to, to use before as strategies or as skills maybe aren't available right now or, or aren't as easy to access right now. And just with that, we want to say thank you once again, Bipin, for taking out the time to sit down with us and talk more about mental health, COVID, and how it's really been affecting different individuals in different areas. So it's been really nice to talk to you and learn more about how things have been happening on the medical side of stuff and how some people have been impacted. Just with that, we wanted to share that this information is meant to be purely educational. We are not healthcare professionals, just graduate students navigating these topics with you. And any of our podcast content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We recommend that you always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding your mental health and well-being. On a similar note, what we shared in this podcast cannot be replaced as medical advice. Please seek a professional or your family doctor if if you do require any medical assistance. You can also call your local emergency services or go to the emergency department if you need immediate attention. And all of the opinions that I shared in this podcast are not associated with Michael G. DeGroote School of Medicine, which is the school I attend, or McMaster University. Yeah, and with that, we just wanted to leave with some resources. So we have shared some in the past, and I'll briefly go over those today. So some resources that you may want to access can include Good to Talk, which is a confidential mental health support for post-secondary students in Ontario and Nova Scotia. There's also Kids Help Phone, which is a free counseling and a free crisis text line service that is offered 24-7. Now, they are targeted towards youth, but they do offer great resources on mental health and various other things on their website. We also have Connects Ontario, which is an information and referral service focused on services for mental health, addiction, and problems with gambling in the province. They can also be reached over the phone, chat, or email 24-7. 
Wellness Together Canada is also a free mental health and substance use portal for anyone in Canada, and they help you get connected with the appropriate resources. And with that, there's also Body Brave, and over here they are a charitable organization based in Hamilton, and they do offer treatment and support for those who are at a risk or struggling with eating disorders, and they also share public awareness, training, and education on eating disorders. And another local resource to Hamilton is Sasha. So they provide support to people who have experienced sexualized violence at any point in their lives. They offer 24-hour support lines so you can contact them if you need help. And there's also other supports that are offered on their website. So we do encourage you to check them out and any of the others that we've mentioned if you do feel that you need any kind of support or you would just like to learn more and seek some other resources. But please check these out. But also we encourage you to reach out to your own local resources or explore more online. And in terms of connecting with us, you can connect with us through this podcast, of course, as well as through our email, which is so tell me more podcast at gmail.com and our Instagram page at so tell me more podcast. So check out our Instagram page as well as our Facebook page for future updates. And it's also a great way to share what you're interested in hearing in our podcast, as well as any feedback or ideas you have for us. Also, if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you're listening right now. And with that, we would just like to say thank you so much for listening. We hope you learned something new within COVID-19 and mental health, or even just enjoyed listening into our discussion. We're really excited to continue exploring more topics in the future episodes, but for now, stay safe and take care. Mm -hmm.